Welcome to Straight and Curly, a podcast for self-improvement junkies. I'm Kelly Exeter. And I'm Carly Jacobs. Welcome to this special episode of Straight and Curly. As many of you know, Kelly tragically lost her beloved husband, Anthony, in a freak accident in January. In this raw and vulnerable conversation, Carly draws on questions from listeners in the Straight and Curly Facebook group to check in with Kel and see how she's going, navigating the biggest challenge life has ever thrown her way. Hello and welcome to Straight and Curly. We're back for a catch-up episode with Kelly. So, Kel, how are you going today? Ah, Well, Carl, that is an excellent question. And it's also the question I do recommend people ask people in my particular situation because, yes, you know, a lot of the obvious question to ask when people see me right now is, you know, how are you? To which the answer is, well, not that great. Um, but uh, Yeah, dreadful. Thanks for asking. Yes, life is not the best right now. I'm a bit sad. Well, you know, and, and people actually, sometimes I just say, look, um, I'm not in spiraling despair today. So that is an uh, yeah, I'm just in regular, regular old crushing sadness, and people are like, "Okay, that sounds like an improvement." Um, but yes, no, it, it's much better, or a, a better, an easier question to answer is, "How are you today?" And how I am today is a bit up and down, but I'm definitely on the up now that I am talking to you because I have missed talking with you so much. So have I. So Kelly and I, we had um, a discussion about, we actually didn't talk about the podcast until maybe a week ago. We were just talking in general, but we, we caught up about a month ago and had a chat. And it was just so nice because every time we've ever chatted to each other, really, like I think 95% of the conversations we've ever had have been recorded. Yeah. Well, I think that I was like, when I was talking to you, I was like, is this the first time we've ever talked on the phone? I think it it is like just a normal conversation. We always have like a bit of a catch up before we hit record. Um, cause there's a few things that we kind of (laughs) like, we're a little bit anonymous about things on the podcast cause we're never sure who's listening, but we'll (laughs) always tell the other person who exactly we're talking about on the podcast (laughs) just so that they know. Um, but yeah, it was just so nice talking to you and it was really, cause we were talking about the podcast and, you know, the future of the podcast in light of, you know, at passing away and how we proceed from here. And I was like, we, we have toyed in the past with not continuing the podcast because it's a big time suck. It's a bit of a money suck. Um, although having said that Patreon supporters, you guys are incredible. We're not going to have to put our hands in our own pockets for a very long time for the um, podcast. So thank you very much for continuing to support us. That's just such a huge weight off our shoulders, but we've, we've toyed with not doing the podcast because sometimes it feels like it's such a, a, a big time commitment. And then it was really nice to have this, like, well, not obviously nice to have this break, but it was interesting to have this break to go. I really missed talking to Kelly and catching up with things and nutting stuff out. And it, and it, that was a really nice thing to to discover out of all of this. I know. I definitely agree. And I just, yeah, I, I think you just said, I miss talking to you. And I was like, I miss talking to you too. Yeah. And, and it was just, yeah, it, I mean, it was a bit like when I was doing the podcast with Brooke. It, it was just a beautiful chance to sit down and chat with a friend every week that you just don't get normally. Like I don't speak to some of my best friends on a weekly basis. Same. So it was, it's, it was such a treat to do it and it – it was, I felt really far away from you because you, you know, well, first of all, you had baby Harriet 
Yeah. Um, and you went, you know, you were like, went really dark while you, and I, I kind of left you to it because I was like, Carl's will come. You let me know that you had had baby Harriet and I was so excited. Yeah. But then, you know, you went dark on the web. Just, I did. Just, and I was like, you know what? She's just in baby heaven right now and yeah. getting, you know, your head around that and I'm just looking forward to that first pick and it was just so nice to see but then obviously early in January is obviously when we had the accident and if anybody wants to know what happened just google Anthony Exeter and you'll it'll be there I don't yeah I don't really want to go through it on the show but um yes it was very early in January that we had the accident and then you know I was in the funeral and you know, phase for the first week and then the second week was where I kind of just like lay on the couch and cried for a week. Um, and then I think it was the week after that that I find, you know, I was wanted to talk to you, but I couldn't talk to anybody on the phone for like kind of those first two oh, weeks. So course. yeah, so it was just so lovely to be able to sit down and have a, you know, good chat with you. And it um, was really nice. I felt so much better after yeah. talking to you about it because I really, I wanted to talk to you a lot, but I also wanted to give you space and just, you know, that feeling of helplessness. And I'm like, how, how do I, I'm like, I'm here literally when you're ready, but also no pressure. Yeah. yeah. And that was was so hard because I, for most of our listeners may not know, like I live on like the West coast of Australia and so many people I know live on the East coast of Australia, which is a long way away. It is like a four to five hour flight minimum. And, um, and an expensive flight too. And, it's yeah. like, it's, yeah. <laughs> Not cheap. So it's, yeah, there were so many people in your position who were so far away and wanting to do something or just, I just understood wanting to touch base or just let me know that you were there. And I knew everyone was. Um, but yeah, I've been in the opposite side of the coin before. I've been that person who's miles away, just desperate to do something and just not able to. So I really felt... <laughs> for all of you guys and I just it was so great to be able to finally yeah get a chance to talk to you so that was yeah that was great but um yeah we um obviously I reached out to you Carl's last week because we I was getting a lot of messages from people in the group or seeing chatter in the group and um I our listeners feel like they're our friends and I totally get that because I feel like that with the people whose podcasts I listen to and I understood that me losing Ant affected people really deeply and that was really lovely. Um, And I kind of understood that many of our listeners were kind of in the position that you were in where you were just like wanting to check in and say, Kelly, are you okay? Like what's, uh, yeah, how are you really? And um so I reached out to you and, and I also know that people were thinking a bit the same about you with having baby Harriet and going, how are yeah. you, you know? So we, we we spoke to each other and we said, look, let's try, or, you know, no guarantees. We may not, if you're listening to this, it means we got to the end without bawling our eyes out or going to pieces. <laughs> um, Carly may cry and she's freaking oh, out about that. I, I'm going to. I'm not, you, I, I am definitely freaking out about that. <laughs> I'm like, shut up, Kelly. You're being accusatory. You're not at all. That's definitely a major concern. So I'm going to try not to make Carly not. So I'm going to not make. Oh my god, I can't even say it. I'm going to try and not make Carly cry because she doesn't like crying, especially on air. Oh look, I probably will. <laughs> but um, yeah, we just wanted to you know check in with you guys um because we know you want to know what's going on and yeah certainly when we put the call out in the group 
people were like, thank you and lots of questions. So thank you very much for the questions because that's Thank you. That makes our lives a lot easier. So we don't suddenly have to try and figure out what everybody wants to know. We can just speak to the questions. So that's awesome. So we're going to do this in a kind of a two episode way because we were originally going to try and do it all in one. And then we thought it was just too jarring. Possible. Yeah. Yeah, Too jarring to go back and forth between literally life and death. So we're going to do my questions in this episode and then we'll do the next episode. We'll speak to Carly and welcoming baby Harriet into the world and moving to the country as well. It's been a busy time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's just jump straight into it because there's so many wonderful questions and a lot of them came from people who have been through similar things to you as well. So I really feel like this episode is going to be a, a really beautiful uh, moment of connection for a lot of people, I think, um, because it's it's odd um, but I kind of feel like death actually really connects a lot of people and kind of it's sort of the one thing we all have in common, really. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to Kelly. Okay. <laughs> um, so this question comes from Bex and she says, how are you really? And really is in italics. Mm-hmm. So she means really <laughs> feeling. Um, how do you get out of bed each day? Ah, oh, well, so right at this moment, it is eight weeks since Aunt died or just over eight weeks. And I do feel a bit like I'm in that no man's land of grieving. So kind of, you know, for the first month or so, or maybe first five, six weeks, like there was this lovely numbness that protected me. And that numbness has definitely lifted. And, you know, so the reality of like actually having to live without him because, you know, I, I said in a, I wrote a blog post kind of filling everyone in and I said I can process that he died but I haven't yet processed that he's not coming back and um, that reality is really starting to take hold. So I am just trying to get through each day at the moment. Um, what gets me out of bed uh, the need probably to show up for my kids and to be functional for them. I have a nine and a five-year-old. So also the knowledge that like, if I do get out of bed, I have healthy distractions in the form of work at my disposal. And, you know, healthy distractions do make the day go much faster. So yes, that is, that's how I'm feeling and that is how I get out of bed. Uh, the next question comes from Chrissy and she says, what gestures from friends have helped the most at this time? Okay. So, so, so many people have done so many things for us. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to touch on all of them uh, and I wish I could. But uh, the fact that kind of two weeks after Aunt passed away, um, all the parents at school organized a meal roster where literally somebody drops off a meal for us every single day and six weeks later that is still Far going. Out. It's I I just have like I hate cooking. Um that's so, why I was like that's literally the best thing that someone can do for you. Like honestly, you, like for me that's personally, amazing. yes, the the greatest thing you could do for me is to keep me out of the kitchen. And yeah, so literally every afternoon Somebody from school rocks up on my doorstep with a meal for the night and and they're all like, you know, what? and quite often because they know that I'm gluten-free and dairy-free but the kids are not, quite often they'll make something for the kids and something for me, which is like next level. Um, And I'm just, yeah, so that just by itself, I have no words for that, just 
just how much headspace, you know, everybody who has to prepare meals for their family, you know how much headspace that takes up. And to not have to do that means I've got so much more headspace for myself and for the kids. Um, friends, lots of friends have had the kids over for play dates or sleepovers, which is great because it gives them space from each other because they do seem to need a fair bit of space from each other at the moment or, you know, it allows is me. That, it, it has that, was that typical before Ant died or do you think that's increased since he died? I think it's increased a bit because um, before he could share the load but also right now oh, they both need me so much and when they both there and they both need me, it's it's very difficult. So yeah. if one goes to their friend's house and they're happily distracted with their friend and I can spend time with the other one or take, you know, Jaden to basketball training or a basketball game or and then Mia doesn't have to hang around a basketball stadium for you know, Jaden's had kind of carnivals and Mia's been able yeah. to go to her cousin's house and not have to be at a basketball stadium for four hours and yeah so and also just how loved my kids have been by their friends and their friends families um particularly Mia Mia's like now just wants to go to all Jaden's friends houses because she wants to (laughs) hang out with Jaden's friends mums and sisters (laughs) so whenever we go to pick Jaden up Mia like walks in and she goes hey I'm just gonna come in while you have a chat with mum and just like owns the place so She's just enjoying being spoiled. She 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 really is. So it's just yeah, it's been so humbling. Our friends have just all really yeah looked after myself and the kids well. Um, one of my very best friends who lives three hours away, she took five days out of her life to come and stay with us in in the very early weeks, which was amazing. And I was so grateful to her partner, who's who's FIFO. So their particular oh far out, you know, their particular situation made that possible. Like for him to come in, like on his two week off swing, and go right, yep, you go up to Kelly. I will hold down the fort. I was just amazing and again humbled. Um, but yeah, they've just. You know, they've been just countless tiny kindnesses. And I know people think, oh, I just did this tiny thing and it, it's not really a big deal. But like all these tiny kindnesses have added up to something, you know, even just the little messages of support, all the messages of support, people are like, oh, I just feel so useless because all I can do is send you a text or send you a message on Facebook. And I'm like, you just have no idea that how nice it is to be so loved and supported. Um, and all of those things have added up. So, yes, big thank you to everyone near and afar. That's such useful information as well because I know a lot of people don't know what to do in situations like this. So I'm really um, keen on the meal roster thing, that's which I think amazing. would be amazing. Yeah, it, it's a, that's an amazing takeaway for anyone else. So if you if that ever happens to someone to a family at your school, take it from Kelly. I think that's a really mm. excellent thing to organise if you know, you so desire. <laughs> yeah. Um, this question comes from Tamsin, um, which is another really great question. She's really good at questions, by the way. Yeah. Um, she said, what's the most helpful thing that someone has done? Um, yeah, I don't want to have favorites on most helpful things. So I'm going to say like a broader thing, which is everybody, like friends, family, strangers, just respecting the boundaries that I have set to kind of protect mine and the kids' energy levels. Um, you know, I do think this is very rare in situations like this. Quite often, you know, there's kind of like always one family member or one yeah. like overbearing friend who just refuses to listen when you ask for space or time. And um, I'm quite proud because I feel like I've 
you know, boundary setting is something I've only really recently learned, like not like yesterday, but like more like kind of a year or two ago. And I've been quite proud at how good I have been at setting boundaries around our energy, but I've also been incredibly grateful that people have been really respectful of those boundaries. So that's just something nice that people can do. It's a very simple thing and a very nice thing that people can do and very helpful. I do think that like boundaries is something that you've been talking about on the podcast quite a lot, sort of in the last year. And we've been talking about you setting those in place. And I think that kind of stuff, even though you say it on the podcast, you've got no idea who listens to it. I feel like stuff that stuff like that, that you say on the podcast gets around. I hope so. Yeah. Well, I just think like, yeah, I just think if people are sending a message, listen, because it makes, because it, yeah, it's very hard when you try to set a boundary with someone and they ignore it and then you either second guess it and go, oh gosh, like, you know, maybe that's unreasonable what I was asking or or you get really angry and go, come on, I made it very clear where my boundary was and now you're stepping over it and now I'm going to have to call you on it. Like that's really hard normally, but especially at a time when like your emotional reserves are pretty low already. Yeah. So, Yeah. Um, so the next question comes from Anat and Amanda. Uh, they say this is, I'm really into this question as well because I wanted to pre-apologize before <laughs> we recorded this because I am shit at grief. I'm horrible at it. Um, but because the aforementioned, I hate crying and I don't like feeling sad and I try to avoid it at all costs. Um, so, and I've said it on the podcast before, like when people are very, very sad, I'm like, come to me when you're ready to get your life together. Like, obviously I'm not saying that to you now. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying, but I'm just like, I'm the, come on, let's get your shit back together. And you can't do that with grief. So this is a very um, important question that I'm going to listen very carefully to your answers. Um, what are some things that people said or did with good <clears> – <throat> sorry, guys, I'm a bit sick at the moment, so my voice is going in and out. What are some things that people did or said with good intention but may have gotten wrong? What things should people say and what should they not say? Um Yeah, this is an interesting one because I haven't found myself to be too ragey over things people have said or said with good intention, but gotten wrong. Um, maybe, maybe because I've been on the other side myself and I do know how hard it is because you just really want to say or do something that's helpful, but you're not sure what that is. Sometimes you get it wrong. Like I had a friend like message me the other day, like she saw me at school and then she messaged me and she was like, I think I was just like a total idiot around you just then. And like, and I was like, honestly, no, you're just totally fine. It doesn't matter. Um, it, it was all good. And so, yeah, I possibly people have said things that others would might find insensitive, but I can't really think of anything that anyone has said to me. Um, so I'm just going to go straight to what things should people say? Um, I'm a bit worried about speaking for all grieving people here. So maybe I'm just going to speak for myself. Um, and maybe this will translate to other grieving people. Uh, I do think the most common and appropriate thing is, you know what? I know there's nothing I can say to make this better, but I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you. And I know that sounds lame and ridiculously, stupidly simple, but it's true. There really is nothing that anyone can say to me at this time that is going to make anything better um, other than, hey, it was all a joke and he's coming back tomorrow. If you can say that to me and, and it's true, then say that. But otherwise, there's nothing you can say. So, so I think everyone wishes they could say that. <laughs> that's right. So it, given you can't, just acknowledge that there really is nothing you can say. You know there's nothing you can say, but you are thinking of that person. Um, 
you know, probably don't say, let me know if there's anything I can do because that does put the burden on the person who's grieving to tell you if they need your help, which is too much of a burden. Um, But, uh, yeah, and then as I said to you at the top of this show, like how are you today is uh, better than how are you, Um, even though how are you is a perfectly logical and normal thing to say, but how are you today is just superior to that one. Um, I almost texted you, how are you a few times, but I stopped myself because I was like, obviously terrible. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't want to like make light of it and make a joke about it. But every time I went to say it, I'm like, that's a dumb question, Carly. Like, that's really stupid. So I ended up just being like, just thinking of you was yeah. what I went with. So, But just on that, just quietly, um, I will say do text people. Just if you get this random um, thought to call them or to text, maybe don't necessarily call because I don't I don't answer oh, yeah, the phone a lot, but do, um, <laughs> do text them because there was a week where I was very, very, very low and um, one of my best friends just messaged me and said, you know, uh, checking in, how are you? Um, and I just said, look, not good right now, like really not good. And she was like, right, what are you doing this afternoon? You know, what are you doing today? And I said, oh, you know, Jaden's got a basketball carnival, you know, finishes at three. She's like, come over after that. I was like, okay, I will. And I really needed to go to her house and see her, but I did not have the energy to reach out and say, hey, can someone invite me to their house so I, you can talk me off the ledge basically? Um so, you know, 90% of the time you might reach out to someone and they might just say, oh, I'm okay or thanks for checking in, I'm all right today. But sometimes you might just catch them at a time where they, they, really, really, yeah, they really, really need to talk and you, you've initiated the contact. Yeah, so it's just it takes a lot of energy to initiate the contact um, mm. when you're in a very bad place. But if, it also doesn't cross any boundaries as well. Yeah, that's right. It's just, you know, because that's it, it gives – it gives the person the chance to go, look, yeah, I'm fine, you know, short and sweet, or to say, look, I'm actually really struggling today. Um, and then that gives you the opportunity to go, okay, like what can I do to, you know, help? So just that, yeah, that's a kind of a bit of a by the by. Um, one thing I, I don't feel people should say is I know just how you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I have said this in the past to people who have lost siblings because I've lost a sibling and I go oh I have probably haven't said I know just how you feel but I will say oh you know I'm so sorry I, I lost my brother so I kind of have an idea of how you're feeling it's actually no you do not have an idea of how that person is feeling because mm. the relationship that you Kelly had with your brother is not the same relationship they had with their partner so yeah a few people have kind of suggested to me that I reach out to other people who've lost their partners um and other than one of my close friends who went through this exact same thing kind of 12 13 years ago I have not felt the urge to do that yet because Mm. you know yes they lost their partner but they did not lose aunt um and you know right now I do feel very alone in what I'm experiencing but I'm actually quite comfortable feeling alone right now because it is kind of special to know that nobody else has any idea of the complexity of what I'm feeling and exactly what kind of hole has been left in my life so and you know that's just where I am right now and I'm sure there will reach a point where maybe I do want to talk to other people who've lost their partners but that 
that moment is not right now. Um, yeah, that was a yeah. bit tangential. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's, it's all such, oh, it's such great information, Kel. This, I mean, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm really, I'm, yeah, this is, this is just, yeah, incredible information. <laughs> <laughs> Carly's experiencing um, emotions right now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on. Sorry. I've lost my spot. Hold on a minute. Um, Okay, well, let's move on to the next <laughs> question before I show any more emotion. Um, uh, how has the per- oh, this comes from Vanessa? How has the personal development you've done over the years helped with your current situation? Oh, yes. Um, so a lot of people have commented on how well I seem to be dealing with all of this. Um, I'm not sure how to take that, um, but you know, you should take it as a compliment. I'll take it as a compliment. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, um, but it. Uh, I don't want to freak people out, but it does feel a bit like my whole life has been preparation for dealing with this situation, um, by which I mean like I have experienced quite a lot of loss already. You know, I lost my brother nearly 20 years ago, so he was 18, I was only 22. You know, so it's quite young to have to deal with something like that. Um, I lost a close friend suddenly when I was 29. So he was like 10 days away from getting married to another close friend. Um, the friend I spoke about earlier, um, the one who lost her partner 12 years ago. Um, so it was kind of a double grief situation because I was grieving the loss of my friend, but also hurting so much for my other friend who had just lost her husband to be. Um, and then six years ago, a, Another friend, so someone who shared an office with us and who I saw every day, um, committed suicide. Um, and right around that time, I was in the middle of like having four miscarriages in an 18 month period. So I know that was, that's all very harrowing and et cetera, but you know, it, it's life. Life loss is love and loss is part of life and you can't have, uh, loss without love, unfortunately. Um, And kind of so all those experiences exposed me to grief and loss. And I guess the main thing they all taught me was life isn't fair. Bad things happen to good people. Um, So kind of when I lost Ant, um, I didn't need to spend any energy on being angry and upset at at how unfair it was. Um, I wasn't doing the whole why me thing either because really, like, why not me? You know, I understand deep in my bones it's very arrogant to go why should only these things happen to other people and not me um that you know especially given how much I've won the life lottery in so many other ways um so you know so yeah so in short I've dealt with a lot of loss before I've done a lot of work around those losses and that work kind of sped up the processing of this current situation um which to be honest has almost been unhelpful because it kind of fast forwarded me to dealing with the reality of living without Ant, and I'd kind of almost have rather had all that stuff to work through first. It like, yeah, you didn't get to hide in your anger for as long no, as you would have liked to. That's right. Um, um, so some other work I've done is like many of you remember that yeah, I had another podcast with my friend Brooke McCallery called Let It Be, and I often joke to Brooke that that podcast was like therapy, um, and it really was because you know, the biggest thing. Have you been in contact with Brooke? I, yeah, I got to chat with Brooke a couple weeks ago, which was. That's great. And again, that was, um, I'd wanted to talk to Brooke obviously since it happened, but I 
didn't have the energy to reach out to her. She's in Canada. Mm. I didn't know where she was um, other than in Canada. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't know what the time zones were like. And she messaged me one day um, and I got it and messaged me one day to say, hey, how are you going? And it was like kind of like a one or two o'clock in the afternoon and I was like, oh, hey, and I, chat, you know, going back and forth through her messages and I said, look, I'd love to chat. Is this a time that's you're awake and I'm awake because let's, let's set up a time and then we yeah so we got to set up a time and it was just yeah it was great to talk to I'm talk so to pleased I know I know talking to Brooke really soothes your soul <laughs> it really it really really did and um I'm gonna hopefully catch up with her next month in real life um oh that would so, be lovely so that would be amazing as well so um yeah, so Brooke taught me that it's okay to feel your feelings, especially bad feelings. Mm. Um, <laughs> Carly's like, I, re- I remain unconvinced. <laughs> Carly's like, I may need to do a podcast with Brooke too. <laughs> um, so let hear me out. So, so, so in the past, if I felt bad in any way, I would try to squash that bad feeling or run away from it or paper it over with positivity. Um, but after podcasting with Brooke, like I just started to experiment with feeling the bad feelings. And um, yes, it was horrible to start with, but um, but I did persist. And I learned that kind of when you allow your sit, allow uh, allow yourself to sit with the bad feelings instead of pushing them away, like they don't build up in a box somewhere, which is kind of what used to happen to me. I'd like build them up in a box somewhere. And then one day when you least expect it, like they jump out and nail me. Like I learned that, if you can sit with them and just push through that initial, oh, this feels horrible phase, like they do lose their power over you. So, um, yeah, so when Brooke took off to Canada, I said, oh, I'm going to have to go see a real therapist now, you know, now that we're not doing the podcast. And actually I did have to go see a real therapist because I was experiencing quite bad anxiety at the time. And, and my therapist really built on that work that I did kind of with Brooke. Um, you know, she identified that despite thinking I was a recovering perfectionist, I was actually still a raging perfectionist. <laughs> um, and, you know, she kind of – I think you still are, Kelly. Oh, I'm, I'm heaps better now. And, and, and No, you definitely are, but I just kind of feel like I am also a perfectionist and I kind of feel like you, it doesn't. It never actually leaves nah. you, like no matter how in control of it you think Yeah, you, you just manage it better really. Or you yeah, let you it, still yeah. – you still find yourself at the news agent, like lining up the chocolates <laughs> while you're waiting for the person to serve you. And you're like, damn, I thought I quit that. <laughs> um, yeah. So yes, well, that's right. She said, you know, she kind of said, look, a lot of your anxiety is born out of, you know, like I was constantly fighting with life because I was always trying to make life how I thought it should be. Um, and always being a bit angry at life when it didn't fit the mold of what I thought it should be. Um, and, you know, kind of between the therapist and Ant, because, you know, he's always been very, you know, he was always very good at taking life as it was, taking each day as it came. Like I did learn to sit gently with life kind of as it was instead of always reaching for what it could be. And I really feel a lot of that work came to fruition last year because, you know, first half of 2018 was very, very stressful, very challenging, very crazy. But like for the first time in my life, instead of, you know, feeling quite aggrieved about like, oh, you know, we've been working so hard for so long and all this business stuff should really be easier by now. Um, and just being angry. I used to be angry a lot, which might surprise people, but you know, <laughs> this is what Ant did for me. You know, he really, he took that edge off of me where I was always fighting against life. And he was always kind of like just pulling me back gently going 
it's it's okay, Kel. Um, so, you know, instead of just thinking, oh, you know, okay, so looking ahead to April maybe and going, okay, by April maybe things will have eased up, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just sat with how hard the start of last year was. And you know what? Things eased up in July and it was so sweet for the fact that I hadn't been sitting around waiting for things to ease up. I just was just working through through things as they came. So, you know, I do feel I cracked a very major life code last year, um, which, you know, kind of means like when Ant died, you know, if I believed in the universe or higher power, which I don't, um, I would say the universe has been prepping me for this my whole life. It knew it was going to happen um, or this was preordained or whatever, which again, I don't believe, but it at least had the good grace to wait until I was in a place personal development wise to best deal with it. So yes, I have had a few people like um, my friend, Ellen, who's a psychologist. She kind of said the same thing to me. She's like, Kelly, it feels like you've been training your whole life to deal with this. And I do very much feel like that. I, you know, I've said to others, I think probably I said to you when I was talking to you on the phone that it's the anxiety. Like this was always my great fear of was losing Ant. And um, I swear you've, you've said it to me before. I swear you have. And that was just the one, you know, it's just the thing that dominated my anxiety for so long. And it's like, well, now it's happened. You know, there's been so many late nights where I've been up, where he's been out and I've been kind of, I've run the full gamut of, I can't get hold of him. I don't know where he is because you know, he's out and his phone has run out of battery, which was always happening. Um, and, um, you know, so I have run the scenario of, oh, God, he's dead. Oh, God, this. that, And, you know, the anxious mind just goes the full gamut of like, okay, so I'm going to have to give a eulogy at his funeral and then I'm going to have to do this. And I'm going to have to do this. So I've kind of when I was giving the eulogy at his funeral, I was like, I feel like I've done this before, but it was – you know, there's not very many benefits of an anxious mind, but that might be one of them is that I almost feel like, yes, I've lived this so many times in my anxieties that it almost feels like, well, here we are. This is a role I've been preparing for my whole life and now I am executing that role. Like I said, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, It just is, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really, really sorry that that, had to be you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, yeah. <laughs> um, the next question comes from Peg and Carly, and they say, um, has what happened changed your beliefs slash worldview? I'm not sure if I have a good answer to this question. I'm not even sure if what I'm about to say actually answers this question, um, and it's such a good question that I want to do it justice, but maybe it's one that's better answered in a year's time than now. But I will say that um, – previous grief and loss experiences mean yeah it meant that I was ready in a place where I know that bad things happen to bad people good people as I mentioned um I was ready in a place of being very grateful for each day and never taking the people in my life for granted I already knew that things don't happen for a reason they just happen um and you know I believe the world is a beautiful place where shitty happens or sorry where shitty things happen And I believe that before and even despite losing like literally the most important person in my life, I still believe the world is a beautiful place, but 
unfortunately shitty things happen in it. And yeah, so I don't, I haven't had any major like revelations or shifts in my worldview, like everything that I believed before, I still believe now. That's really, that's really lovely. Mm, thanks. Um, Philippa asks, how is your family doing? Okay, so I don't know if Philippa means like the wider family. Um, no, I won't. Or just like me or Jaden. Yeah, I'm going to presume. I wouldn't presume to speak for everybody. Um, so I'm just going to speak for myself and the kids. And I will say that we are doing okay. Um, maybe even better than okay. And that is possibly because everything that other people could be doing for us, they are doing it. And that has, um, I just can't even begin to say like literally everything that anyone can be doing, they're doing it. And that has just freed me up to focus literally all my energy on the well-being of myself and the kids. So, you know, the kids and I are very functional during the day. Um, and if we get kind of cripplingly sad, it tends to be at night when we're all very tired, which is understandable. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that that would be – I imagine nights would be the tough times. Yes. Um, Juniper asks, what does self-care look like right now? Mainly it's protecting energy levels. So, you know, it's just the really bog standard stuff of getting good sleep, eating well, exercising each day, staying away from drama, setting strong boundaries, every, <laughs> you know, around kind of how much human, human interaction I have and how much work I'm doing. So, um, yeah, definitely I feel sometimes – especially in recent weeks, there'd be people who've been holding back and not wanting to push themselves on me, but I, they kind of need to see me and I do want to see them, but I've kind of learned that there's a real threshold where I get very tired after speaking too much to people. Um, so I've learned where that sh threshold is, but um, yeah, also giving the kids time and space from each other and, and you know, also spending time with people who kind of boost our energy and make us laugh. You know, we can laugh. We can sing along to good songs on the radio. Like we're not kind of just running around moping all day. Um, we, we have been able to find joy in moments and be happy. Um, and it's because I think we make sure the people we surround ourselves with are people who boost our moods and don't kind of drain us so yeah that's what self-care looks like right now um just a question about that that just comes from me so like all of your strategies for self-care um are very wholesome as are mine <laughs> um but like for for me if the shit really hits the fan I tend to kind of like drink a lot of alcohol and mm. stop doing all of the things has like, do you ever just kind of want to just sink a bottle of wine and just kind of fall asleep under a tree <laughs> or something like, do like anything destructive? Is that a weird question? No, it's not a weird question at all. Um, there was a, a week there where I was like, wow, I can really understand why people take drugs or drink because both those things would be fabulous escapes from what I'm feeling right now. Um, but I, I, yeah, I have not wanted to drink and, and it's not like I never ever drink. Um, I seldom drink, but it's not like I don't. Um, I just haven't wanted to. Um, so I just haven't, yeah, uh, I can see why people do it and it, and it's 
it's kind of cool to me a little bit, but I think also alcohol just makes me feel crappy the next day. Yeah, so like, true. It's not. It's probably not and worth that. Little you've bit never of really been a. You've never really been a massive self medicator, anyway. So no, only with exercise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only with exercise and overthinking. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so yeah, no, I haven't. But I see why people do it. The um, the next question comes from Jennifer and Annie, and they're asking about useful hacks for getting through each day, especially when you're emotionally exhausted. Um, the main thing I've found important here was to get back to a daily routine. So um, Aunt died during the school holidays and I was very grateful that the kids weren't at school for those first few weeks kind of of trying to process and deal with everything. And school then did go back at a pretty perfect time about two and a half weeks you know, later. So that first week where they went back to school was actually quite hard for me because Usually when the kids were at school, that's when Aunt and I were at home together, um, both working from home. Um, Plus you were probably used to having the kids around as well. Yeah. Well, actually I was quite craving them to go back to school <laughs> um, because, you know, they were, yeah, they were fighting a lot. It was the end of like, you know, seven weeks of school holidays with, you know, with emotional trauma thrown into the middle of it. So they were they were craving like that routine and that that normalcy yeah they really were so it it was good timing um and i was looking forward to it but yeah the first few days were like oh i i had my mum staying with me and then another friend and then my friends staying with me but it was just like a real like right yeah that's right we just had i I'd, I'd forgotten all the little routines aunt and i had built up around him and I both being at home and so you know I didn't get my 10 30 hug anymore things like that so you know or I'd go to pick the kids up for school in the afternoon and quite often one of us would go but then the other would go oh I need a break from my desk I'll come too so and then yeah the interesting thing about the school pickup as well at our school is just like lots of dads do the school pickup at our school it's almost 50-50 and there was just That's like awesome. it's really really good um but there was one day where I did the school pickup and I swear like it was like all dads and me oh. and I'm just standing there going oh come on, <laughs> oh, come on. like just universe cut you a yeah, freaking break I reckon but um yeah so oh, but yeah back to the routine so yeah I will say that you know re- ret- returning to the routines that we already had and as any listener of this shows knows I had a lot of daily routines um they did other than that kind of sadness think they did give a sense of normality and stability to our days um and really i have found the best antidote to emotional exhaustion or the best booster of emotional exhaustion are routines because they take away the thinking like you don't have to think you just know when things are happening um and i did see that amber asked in the group you know what daily routines set up before now have helped at this time um and i would say like all of them um you know, morning routine, exercise routine, work routine, writing routine, evening routine, like they have all all these things that were set up previously. They've all made my life easier. They've all freed up headspace um, because when too many things take up my headspace, um, I do get overwhelmed. And when I get overwhelmed, I get emotional and I just can't deal with anything. I just go to pieces. So um, yeah, anything that stops me getting overwhelmed is a good thing. Um, and then Claire also asked, you know, are there any routines or parts of life that I've kind of stripped right back? And I'd say really the only thing I've stripped 
back is work because everything else I've been able to maintain. And I think that's because we'd ready set up. Our life was very simple. Um, and yes, I didn't have to strip back too much from it um, to kind of deal. So, yeah. Um, Alison says, what's something you've let go of um, that you don't care as much about now? Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to say I let go of caring what people think, but my, my psychologist may disagree. So I hope she's not listening to this. Um, but <laughs> does she listen to the podcast? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very interesting that would if be she did. Weird. She could get a bit of extra work. She might have to bill me for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was sending you notes and the things you revealed. Um, but yeah, no, I have, I do feel I've, let go. I've not stressed too much about what people think when I've set a boundary, like I've set a boundary and gone, look, I'm not, if you feel offended by this or if you feel hurt or something, I'm sorry, but I, I'm, I can't deal with that right now. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm choosing not to spend energy worrying about other people, what other people think, because I am very much trying to save that energy for myself and the kids. So yeah, that's what I've let go of. I, think I've let go of caring too much what other people think but yeah I think you have <laughs> just from the few discussions that we've had I think you, you've, you've you've nailed the boundaries now Kel I think you've <laughs> you've got them um Rebecca and Jessica asks what are some of the family and financial discussions you and aunt had before he passed that have taken some of the worry out of this time what are some of the things you're patting yourself on the back for having in place <sighs> okay so I have mentioned before on this show, I think I kind of remember what we're talking about way back when, but I did mention that we had wills and all the insurances, like we insured up to our eyeballs. Um, And knowing that meant that when we were in hospital with Ant, um, knowing that he wasn't going to recover, um, I do. I wasn't worrying too much about the future. I could just focus all my time and energy on spending time with him. Um, and then, you know, in the week after the funeral, I did have a couple of days of worrying like, okay, like we set all this stuff up like 10 years ago. Is it still current? But, you know, we, the guys that we use to help manage our finances, like we check in with them every six months, like we pay a monthly retainer. We check in with them like about everything that we, you know, do financially with the business, but also personally and lifestyle wise. And, um, yeah, so I was, because they review all our stuff every six months and all our life insurances and income protection and all that was part of that kind of six monthly review. I was fairly certain that everything should, that should be in place was in place, but you know, you always had that nagging worry that like maybe something was missed or not quite set up right or there's something or you weren't concentrating on it at the time because you're like oh yeah. man, we're gonna have to deal with this honestly I mean like late last year I remember like at that when we get our taxes like kind of when our tax return comes through each year I just kind of go through like where we're spending all our money and just you know do a bit of a check-in and I just remember looking at what we were paying on life and income protection insurance and kind of going far out it's not small amount. Um, well, because like you either use it or you don't. And that's, like, that's right. The- <laughs> and it was very much, and I do remember thinking to myself, if you never have to use it, how good is that? Like as long as you can mm. afford it, like we could afford it, what we were paying. Mm. And if you never have to use this, how amazing. Um, but yes, unfortunately we did have to use it. Um, and yes, yeah, so you kind of worry about insurance companies because you think like they'll just do whatever they, uh, sorry, insurance companies. I know this is probably unfair, especially as, 
everything was very smooth for me. But, um, you know, you can't help but think like they'll do whatever they can to delay or make things a bit hard for you. Um, so, you know, it was very reassuring to find out that, yes, everything that needed to be in place was in place. All our paperwork, um, all our paperwork was in order. Um, what did I pat myself on the back about? Like I was patting myself on the back because, you know, we had a proper will and all that stuff. And then I realized that what I thought was the will, which is in a two-ring binder in our office in a section called <laughs> Wills. Of course it of was. Of course it was. Um was actually a copy of the will um, and I, I had no idea where the originals were. Um, so long story short, I eventually found the originals at our bank. So I will say that if you go to the trouble of putting your wills in a safe place at the bank, maybe leave yourself a little bit of a note that that's where, <laughs> that's, that's where you put them because, again, this was 10 years ago. So like I did find a note in the binder saying like from the people who prepared the will saying, we recommend you so you know lodge your wills at in a safe packet at the bank and then I was like I have a very vague memory of doing this but I don't know if that memory is an accurate memory or whether it's just because I want it to be true um but yes I went to the bank and after a bit of searching they did find it so that was a good moment because guys a fully properly executed will I'm not real sure about these legal kit wills um it's worth just paying someone to do it properly for you so you know it's done properly. Um, have a will. It just makes things so much easier. Um, I'll also say to anyone who's wondering how much life insurance is enough. So I'll just say, tell you what our finance guys said to us like way back 10 years ago. And they said like, if one of you dies and leaves the other one behind, you want to wipe out all your debt and then give the person who's left behind enough to live on for at least a couple of years so that they can choose to work if they want to, but they don't have to work. So that's kind of the situation where I'm in, where I'm working because I want to and it's keeping me busy and I enjoy my work. But if I, you know, if something Didn't stopped, have the capacity for it. Yeah, if I just couldn't work or if the kids were just really needed much more of me than they do at the moment, I can drop everything and not, not stress, you know, about money. And that is just an amazing thing in this scenario right now to not be worrying about that so yes I see it feels like kind of really shitty to talk about money at this time but oh it is such an important conversation to have and you seriously let a fire under my ass because I remember having that conversation and Ben and I didn't have wills and then Ben was like no I've got a will and I'm like well I don't remember you writing it so I'm clearly not in it so um but at the time we didn't have property and we didn't have a child and now we have both and now I'm like okay we really need to sort that out yeah because what wills do is it just stops you having to fight for something that is yours so like say like you guys are in theory in a de facto relationship so in theory you do get every, you know you do get everything because you do have a child with them and you've been in this relationship for years, but you'll kind of have to fight for it in that you'll have to prove your relationship and all of that stuff. And if somebody else in the family decides to be a douchebag and challenge this or that, you will have to it fight. It gets expensive. Them. Yeah. And- Whereas uh, just a properly executed will makes everything ve- – I mean, people, yes, they can still challenge wills, but it's a lot harder to do and it just makes everything simpler. So – Yes, I really recommend everybody listening, just get it done next week. Set up the appointment, get it done, pay a bit do of it money. Do it for Kelly. It's, yes, do it for me so that I know that you are 
in a good place <laughs> um, and sort out your life insurance as well. Two very, very important things because if you never have to use it, that you've had That's an amazing excellent. life, but if you do have to use it, you will be very grateful just for the headspace it frees up. Um, I can't, I can't even begin to tell you how valuable that is. So yes. Um, the next question is, um, oh, sorry, hang on. I think I've lost my spot. Do you want me to say it? Oh, yeah, you say it. I'm sorry. I, I was listening to you and I lost where we were up to. Is it up to, oh, it's the, it's from Ingun. Oh, okay. She yes. said, he, she says, how has being organized on the life admin of side, um, side of things helped at this awful time? Um, a lot because, you know, I know exactly what it costs us to live. Um, I have systems and processes in place for paying things. I have good filing systems. And what all of that does is it makes it easy for other people to help us. Um, and it also makes it easy for me to ease my own mind because I've, you know, I've got the spreadsheet of what it costs us to live. And when I take out that, that doesn't need to be paid more and that doesn't need to be paid more. And I can see that, right, that's what it costs us to live. And this is the income I have and go, okay, I'm okay. Like, again, it just eases mind because what is the thing that most people worry about? Most people worry about money. You don't also, you know, I don't have to move out of my house. I don't, you know, have to sell anything. Or- don't have to sell anything or anything like that. Everything is looked after. It's it's a real privilege and that I am enjoying right now because it's, yeah. Um, I'm so grateful that you have that. It's such a big weight off everyone's mind for you, I think. That's just a really lovely thing. Yeah, because I think, um, yeah, f- 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 people who haven't lost a partner, like finances are a major stressor and you just, they take, a lot of emotional energy. So if you remove financial stress, life becomes simpler. You can focus your energy in the right place. So yes. Uh, the next question comes from Megan and she says, how on earth are you managing <laughs> juggling your businesses at the moment and whose support and what support has been great? Um, okay. So we do have kind of three businesses or three entities, which would be the design business, a web hosting business, and then my writing business. Um, so my sister Robin took over the running of the design and web hosting businesses and I just I don't even have words to describe how my my gratitude to her and for her so she was working for us previously and we had actually been kind of moving towards her taking over the design side of things but she knows nothing about web hosting and you know gratitude also to our web hosting customers who and design customers who cut us a lot of slack in those early weeks because poor Robin was dealing with her own grief but also trying to keep things running um, and keep abreast of things. Like we have a team of – we do have staff, but, you know, Robin was kind of the front point for everything. So, yeah, uh, if I didn't have her and if I had to try and manage those businesses myself, uh, I would have been in hospital in two weeks myself. Um, yeah, I just wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, I'm also very lucky that my mum used to be the financial controller for both businesses and she you know, she stepped out of that role when she was cutting back her hours because she's trying to semi-retire, but she has stepped back in now to help Robin. Um, so that has been incredible for me to know that the businesses are in their hands and, you know, like, yes, they cannot run them the way that Aunt did, but they are doing much better than I would have been able to do in my state of mind that I was in. 
Um, with my writing business, I did have to let one big contract go because I hadn't started it and I, I knew it was just a little bit too much for me to be doing, but, uh, everything else that I had going on, my writing clients were amazing. Um, they told me to take my time. Um, I've been back doing that work for about a month now. And like I said earlier, it's just been a really nice, healthy distraction. So, um, yes, as I mentioned, the support of all the clients in those businesses, support of my sister and my mom, that is how. I am managing, juggling all the businesses at this moment. Um, Chris asks, are you making major life decisions quickly and then making smaller organized steps toward them? Or are you taking small decisions daily as they're in front of you and um, we'll find out where you end up when you look back? Uh, yeah, definitely small daily decisions um, because, yeah, I can't look to the future at all because when I look to the future, um, I just see the answer is not there and, yeah, I cannot fathom how I'm supposed to do life without him, so I just go to pieces. So I am just literally working through each day in small chunks and making only the smallest possible decisions for now. Like I have never lived so much in the moment in my entire life and Ant would be so proud of me because that's <laughs> how he lived. And um, and I used to say to him, you only get to live like that because you've got me looking to the future. But <laughs> I don't know, I'm doing all right at the moment, just very much living in the moment. So, yes. Um, Jessica says, what are some things you've learned from watching others go through a similar experience? Uh, so as mentioned earlier, about 12, 13 years ago, like one of my closest friends lost her fiance, who was also my close friend. Um, and I just remember her navigating that experience with great grace and strength. And while I haven't kind of consciously tried to emulate what she did, I do feel kind of like my friendship group has a template for dealing with this situation. And I have drawn a lot of grace and strength, not just from my friend, but literally from my whole friendship group. So, Okay. It is so weird that you literally use the words grace and strength because I didn't read through this before because I was writing about later about how you've been dealing with this and grace and strength are the words that I use to describe Aww. the way, like literally those words. Well, that is <laughs> That's so a huge weird. compliment because I did, yeah, like I just, I watched my friend, carry herself in that way and like I said it's not like I sat down with a goal of well that's what I'm going to try and aim for grace and strength but I just feel like I've been infused with that via my friends so I'm very grateful to them um Candlin says uh how are you managing the needs of your kids against your own needs for self-care that's a good question yeah that is a good question um so I guess my own needs for self-care have pretty much always centered around getting daily exercise and getting a bit of time and space to myself each day. And, you know, I already had these daily routines in place, like where I get up ridiculously early. Um, so yes, for the kind of like the first two or three weeks, I did, I did not get up early. I just, all myself and the two kids were sleeping together in the king bed and we just kind of woke up whenever we woke up. But kind of once they went back to school, I tried to get back into that routine where I was getting up you know, in the fours or maybe five um, and just have that bit of time to myself in the morning, try and make sure I get a little bit of exercise in. Um, so if someone was staying here, I would go for a run. If nobody was staying here, I'd be on the stupid rower, which I hate, but is still good exercise. Um, 
Yeah. I hate the rower too. Yeah, it's just there's no it's there's nothing good about it. It's 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 really it's, just an awful exercise. Yeah, there's no comfortable way to row. Like running, no. you can go for a jog and it's you know easy, but like there's no easy way to row. It's just always hard. So I, it, the rower sucks, but I've got it and it's great that I've got it. Um, so it's just like boobs and body and everything <laughs> all in the way, and you're just like, how is anyone supposed to do this? Like particularly women, because you carry a lot of your body on the front of your body when you're a woman, and when you're rowing, you just like it's all there. Anyway, sorry, I hate <laughs> rowing too. Um, yeah. So anyway, yes. Um, the the routines I already had in place gave me the time and space that I need, and then once I've got the space and time to just be then it makes it easy for me to be available to the kids for what they need from me. Um, and like I said before, my kids have also spent a lot of time with their friends and cousins, which has been amazingly great for both them and me. So, yes. Um, Leanne says, have there been moments when you feel hopeless and what do you focus on to bring you back to centre? Uh, yes. So, like, so I think as I mentioned, there was a whole week where I was completely drowning in hopelessness. And I will admit that I did very much want to check out of life at that point because yeah, it was, it was, the pain was way too much. Uh, I did not see the point of being here if aunt wasn't here. Uh, but my friends and my psych, like, so I saw like, you know, I went to my friend's house, like on that Saturday after Jaden's basketball carnival. And then I saw another of my best friends on the Sunday and I saw another of my best friends on the Monday and kind of like collectively they literally all talked me, you know, off the ledge. I also saw my psych on the Monday as well. So, um, so kind of since then I've been floating along in kind of what I call the bubble of now because I can deal with Ant not being here like right now. Like say, for example, I'm talking to you, Carly, right now and I can deal with Ant not being here in this moment. Um, but if I move outside of the bubble and I look into the future and it becomes apparent that not only is Ant not here right now, but he will never, ever be here again, um, never again is just way too much for me to deal with. So, you know, what do I focus on to bring me back to center when I'm feeling a bit hopeless? I like, like I focus on the now. So yes, good old Eckhart Tolle and the whole power of now, <laughs> and you can always deal with the now, like he's right, you can. So that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> um, Teresa asks, um, has this sense of being very loved and missed on the podcast surprised you? Um, I feel like the modest thing is to say, yes, super surprised. Um, <laughs> but the real answer is no. Um, because you know, you and I, we do chat with everyone in the Facebook group a lot. Yeah. Um, we've had enough people tell us over the years that they feel like they are our friends that when we're chatting on the podcast, it's like, they're in conversation with friends and they actually try to answer us sometimes. Um, so, you know, and I know how I felt like when people, you know, that I kind of feel like, feel like I know, even though I don't really know them have lost someone, it's really, really rocked me to the core. So, uh, it wasn't surprising to me that people who listened to this show were really rocked by Ant's death. I mean, I did, I talked about him a lot on the show. Um, and I feel like when I talked about him, it was very clear how loved he was by me and me by him. It was um, really clear, Kelly. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. So, yeah, I've just been very touched by it. Yeah, so I wasn't surprised 
by the sense of being loved and missed, but I was really, really touched by the outpouring of well wishes. And I will say that everybody who remembered me making fun of how he hung clothes on the line and how <laughs> whenever they hang clothes on the line, they think of him like, guys, that's really cool. And that me and just always like, yes, hanging clothes on the line, think of Ant because I still, <laughs> you know, I, honestly, I do every time. It was a stupid place to think about him, but I really do. So thank you for everyone who kind of mentioned that in comments here and there. Libby asked, what has made you belly laugh? Um, a few of my friends have a really keen sense of the ridiculous. Um, you're one of them actually, Carl's. Um, <laughs> and can relate a story about the most mundane things and make me laugh. And I will say um, I seldom an- don't answer the phone very often. So apologies to anyone who rings me and just goes through the message bank. Like it's not just you, it's pretty much everybody, but um, there are certain people I, I will always answer the phone because I know they'll have some ridiculous way of relating whatever is going on in their life right now. And it will just, yeah, it will make me laugh and I would take every laugh I can get right now. So, yeah. Um, so this one was for both of us. So um, I don't know how to pronounce this person's name. How would you do it, Kelly? Makey, Mikey, Mike, 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 M-A-I-K-E. You know so if you can correct us, that would be great. Um, as you and Carly are good friends at opposite ends of the emotional spectrum <laughs> and with your current life situations, how has each other's situation influenced yours? Okay, so I will go first um, and I will say I have taken huge, huge joy from watching you become a mum. It has been very, very <laughs> exciting for me. Um, and, you know, when we checked in with each other a few weeks ago and, you know, obviously we talked about me first and, you know, I cried a lot and blubbered. Um, but I loved being able to like kind of, you know, unload and get everything out and then say, okay, enough about me. Tell me about you. Um, I loved hearing about Harriet's arrival. I loved hearing that you are enjoying motherhood. Um, I loved hearing the decisions behind your move to the country. And I just, you know, you just sound a very content and chilled and happy. And like, that's all I want from my friends in life is to be like that. I get really I just love it when my friends sound content and chilled and happy. And so, yes, I feel like you are, I don't know, maybe not. (laughs) I do feel like you are all of those things present. You know, obviously you're hurting for me, but your actual life is as you would like it to be. And I'm just really happy for you. So, yeah, yeah. those, those things are definitely true. And that's so nice of you, Kelly, that you can get joy out of other people's joy when, you know, you probably just want to like, lie in a hole and cry all the time. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, I actually avoided and continue to avoid talking about how I feel about your loss. Um, I was and continue to be deeply affected by what happened to aunt, but, um, I was too conscious of being a grief thief. Um, and I'm so far out of the circles of grief here that it just felt inappropriate to talk to you or anyone about that. And that's sort of an explanation as to why I didn't say anything in the straight and curly group. I don't think many people know this, but Kelly and I literally never post a thing in that group without asking each other first. Um, and it felt weird to talk about Kelly without checking with Kelly. And it just kind of ended up in this spiral of <laughs> not checking with Kelly because I didn't want to bother her. And um, I had lots of people reach out to me and I thank you for that, but it, it just really wasn't about me, um, which is probably why I came across as a little bit vacant during that time and probably continue to come across in that way. Um, I process sadness very quietly and in the privacy of my own home and circles. Um, um, obviously, 
I've been extremely devastated for you, Kel. Like it was just, it's just (laughs) awful. Um, but one thing that I really took away from this is just what a warrior you are, Kelly. Like I'm just, and I was saying this before, like just grace and strength. It's, it's been a horrible thing and a beautiful thing to have to see someone do. Um, and I think we've both spent a lot of time pointing out our flaws on this podcast. Um, but I, I just think you're an an exceptional person and I'm, I'm heartbroken for you. I'm really sorry. Oh, you made me cry now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks Carly. That's yeah, that's really beautiful. And, um, yeah, I appreciate those lovely words. Um, yes. So I will say, um, I totally understand where you're coming from on the grief front and it does feel like, you know, oh, you don't get to feel the grief because it's not your grief. But it, I, I just think like you grieve, you know, you never met Ant. You obviously feel like you know Ant because I spoke about him yeah. so much. Um, so you're not necessarily grieving him, but you are f- grieving for my I'm loss. grieving for you, yeah. And I know that and um, and I do appreciate it. And I know a lot of people are in, are in your situation and um, – and you also grieve for the for the person you used to be. Yeah, that's right. And yes, it's. In, I mean, that's what I said to one of my friends. I'm like, I don't really know who I am without him, and but now I'm going to have to find out. So, you know, it's hard. But you know, everybody, people like you, my friends, you also make me who I am. So. You know, Ant is a big piece of the puzzle to take out, but I've got so many other people helping me be the person that I want to be and who are going to help shape me over, you know, the coming years. And I'm grateful to you all to have you. So I just know you're probably going to cry now, so I'm going to try and wrap up this show. <laughs> uh, I already did, mate, just like <laughs> at least twice, at least twice. <laughs> so I will say um, this kind of wraps up like this first episode in this kind of special two-part check-in series that we are doing so in our next episode i'm going to check in with carly to see how motherhood and the move to the country is treating her um we're not really sure like whether we're going to drop these two episodes at the same time or a week apart um so i will just say that we look forward to being in your ears then whenever then is (laughs) thanks for listening Thank you so much for listening to Straight and Curly. This week's show notes and links will be available at straightandcurly.com. And if you have any questions or weird self-improvement hacks you want us to trial, you can tweet us at Kelly Exeter or at Smaggle, or you can email us at hello at straightandcurly.com. Bye.